Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again as uh, we continue our journey through the Bible, and we've made our way to the book of Isaiah. And once again, I'm going to put us on that uh, uh, very difficult and challenging pace of four chapters a day in what is the monumental prophetic book of the Old Testament uh, in terms of the way most English Bibles are uh, uh, put together and organized, uh, the first of the prophetic uh, books. And uh, uh, Isaiah uh, is certainly uh, the, a, a book that uh, both is clear uh, in its indictment uh, for sin uh, but also equally clear about the hope of uh, the promised one, uh, the, the Son, who shall uh, one day appear. And so as we uh, study uh, the book, uh, we can the prophets appeared on the scene because of the failure of the people to honor the covenant. And so whether it's the king, or those that are of the, the common uh, peasantry uh, it, within the nation, uh, it, there was pretty much a colossal and universal uh, failure. And so there is this uh, indictment uh, that uh, uh, highlights the futility of this older covenant, the inadequacy of the kings, uh, and then specifically Isaiah anticipates a future king, a promised king, a son of David uh, who shall succeed uh, where all others have failed. Uh, that He looks forward uh, to one uh, who shall suffer and in his suffer uh, accomplish the salvation of the many. And so uh, uh, the, the ultimate hope of, of the book of Isaiah is not found in the deliverance of the nation but the appearance of the king, of the Messiah. And so uh, this promise of Christ uh, certainly uh, runs throughout this uh, book. Uh, Isaiah uh, appeared on the scene about 740 B.C., so uh, uh, a little less than 200 years after the division of the, the kingdom, after the death of Solomon and Jeroboam and Rehoboam uh, d dispute over the kingdom and the northern kingdom splits off, soon falls into apostasy. Uh, fairly early in the ministry of Isaiah, the northern kingdom is going to disappear. They're going to be conquered by the Assyrians uh, in 722. And so that's in the background of what Isaiah is going to, to write. And so he's going to have a long prophetic ministry. He's, his ministry is going to begin uh, in the reign of Uzziah and go through Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, all the way to the time of this wicked king, uh, Manasseh. As with all of the prophets, it is, uh, the book is designed to remind people of the faithfulness of God and to recall the nation to covenantal faithfulness, to indict them for their apostasy, and, and certainly predominantly in this book. Uh, we see uh, these glimpses and these prophecies uh, related uh, to the coming uh, Messiah. There is an indictment of the internal corruption. There's a, there's a warning about being involved in foreign alliances and certainly uh, this condemnation of their religious uh, apostasy. Uh, so today we're going to look at chapters 1 through 4. Our focus is going to come in chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. Um, chapter 1, again, a long record, a long catalog, a long specifying of uh, the corruption, uh, the religious apostasy, the moral 
failures, uh, the, the injustice that is characteristic of the nation. And very soon Isaiah is going to speak to the fact that God is going to resolve uh, this type of evil uh, by bringing uh, judgment upon you, which is ultimately going to be the Babylonian captivity. But uh, that will come up 100 years after Isaiah uh, passes off the scene. But God is beginning to warn his people of his displeasure. And in this chapter 1, there's kind of a, uh, a heavenly courtroom that, that, that the prophet uh, calls upon heaven to bear witness uh, to the reality of the failings of uh, the nation. And as with all the prophets within uh, the course of these uh, indictments, uh, there is a, a bit of hope that uh, appears. And so, uh, again, that uh, should they repent, uh, there is the promise of blessings uh, that ultimately, chapter 2, uh, that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established and the nations will stream uh, to it. Uh, chapter 2 introduces us to that recurring theme and phrase of this day of judgment, sometimes referred to as the day of the Lord. God vindicates and delivers his people. God judges uh, his uh, enemies. And so uh, chapter 3, uh, again, warnings uh, of judgment, specific descriptions of that. And then uh, chapter uh, 4, uh, after this time of judgment, there is still this ongoing promise that someone uh, from uh, the line of David, this righteous branch, a branch from the Lord, uh, shall appear and he shall flourish, and he shall establish, and he shall deliver his people. And so let's go back uh, into uh, chapter 2, uh, and let's take a look for a moment at uh, uh, this business of the day of the Lord, Isaiah 2.6. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east, and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols, and they bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the some from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, it shall be brought low. So some very specific issues brought to uh, the fore here. While the phrase that does appear in some of the uh, writing prophets, day of the Lord, is not precisely used, there's that reference to the day that the Lord shall come and uh, he shall uh, deliver uh, this ultimate judgment. And so um, uh, God has rejected the people because of their apostasy. It's, as we know, it's going to be a temporary rejection, but it is a rejection uh, nonetheless. Uh, they have uh, involved themselves in uh, uh, embracing the, the foreign religion, the very thing that God warned them about. Uh, they've tried to uh, embrace uh, various forms of idolatry, uh, probably it might be rightly called syncretism, trying to maybe even combine you know, their view of God with the pagan view of, of 
God. And so they've done that. So there's religious apostasy. Uh, there's political corruption and intrigue. God had warned them against foreign alliances, but what do they do? Uh, they go seek out alliances uh, with these foreign nations that they were forbidden to do. Uh, the, Isaiah's day, at least initially, was uh, filled with prosperity. You see the description uh, that, that there's prosperity, there's silver and gold, there's treasures. However, the people are impoverished because what? They have embraced uh, idolatry. They're bowing down to the things that they made with their hands. And uh, as Isaiah will later lament, I mean, what kind, of, what kind of God is that, that you worship it, this thing at one, one time and you, you can cook your bread and heat your home with it later, meaning you know, wooden idols? And so uh, we see uh, kind of conceptually this idea reflected in the book of Revelation of you know, hiding in the, in the hills, so to speak, fleeing from the, the wrath of, of God. This is a, a consummate terror, and uh, it is a time when the prideful, the, the haughty, the term here, uh, he shall be humbled, he shall be brought low, he be, shall be brought uh, to judgment. And it's only God that will stand in this day of, of judgment. He, he will prove himself victorious against all uh, that rebels against him. And so as sobering as uh, this uh, thing is, uh, uh, Drew, who's recording me, kind of made fun of me a minute ago as we uh, completed some other uh, devotionals about, uh, and we we're talking about death and uh, how encouraging that was to speak of death. Well, I guess it's equally encouraging to speak about judgment. But for the believer it is because perfect justice will honor God. And in that perfect justice, God's people will be delivered, they will be vindicated, and our God will be glorified. And our God's greatest glory is ultimately our greatest good. Uh, his glory in uh, displaying His grace and His glory in displaying His wrath and judgment. And so, indeed, I pray that that is a blessing to your day. And I'll look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow.